0: Today's episode of The Doctor's Companion is brought to you by InStockTrades.com and DCBService.com. Welcome to another episode of The Doctor's Companion. I'm Scott Corelli. And I'm Matt Smith,
1: but not that Matt Smith.
0: And today we are uh, we're, we're taking a turn for uh, Classic Who. Um, we're back to it, and uh, not a moment too soon, if you ask me. <laughs> um, and uh, we've got something really special. We talked about it a little bit last week, but uh, we're going to be starting uh, Trial of a Time Lord, um, which is uh, the... <laughs> Second and and last season of Colin Baker's run, yes, 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 yes. Um, and uh, yeah, it's the entire season um, that we're going to be talking about because it's a how many what what fourteen part fifteen part it's fourteen
1: episodes 14. but like four stories long so okay
0: um, fourteen episodes four stories so we're, for the next four weeks basically the next month we're going to be talking about Trial of a Time Lord. <laughs> Um, and today we're talking about the first part of the story, uh, which is the mysterious planet episodes one through four. And, uh, we're going to be talking about that in just a second, but before we do, I want to remind everybody that we're from the website Geek Show Entertainment where we like geeky stuff. And occasionally we talk about that stuff like Dr. Who on podcasts like this one, Geek Show Entertainment it's a podcast network that has new episodes released every week for shows that include The Doctor's Companion, as well as Movie Nighty Geek Show, Have You Met Ted, A Couple of Geeks, and Super Geeks. And you can listen to those podcasts by streaming them on the website or subscribing to the shows on iTunes. Also, you can go to the website and join our community by commenting on episodes, articles, and audio blogs that we regularly post on the site. And if you listen to our, any of our shows and you like what you hear, or even if you don't, you can help us out by leaving an iTunes review, because iTunes Reviews ...tend to be the best way for people to find our shows and decide if they might be worth listening to. You can also let us know how we're doing with comments, concerns, or suggestions by emailing the show at tdc at geekshow.us. That's tdc at geekshow.us. Um... All right, so what's, what's, uh, <laughs> I know there's a lot of it. Um, what's the, uh, background and significance, uh, of the mysterious planet and, and trial of a time lord? Lay it uh, on okay. us.
1: Lay it on us. <laughs> I'll, I'll do my best. Uh, well, just as a heads up, um, uh, background and significance for this week is going to be a little bit longer than normal because there's a lot to talk about. Uh, next week, not so much. The week after, not so much, but, uh, the last part's gonna have a whole section. It's gonna be like ten minutes, so that'll be fun. Um, let's start at the top. Uh, at the end of season twenty-two, which was Colin Baker's first full season of Doctor Who, uh, the BBC was getting increasingly less impressed with Colin Baker as the Doctor in the era, which they is thought it was stupid. Too- <laughs> well, you're a recent Colin Baker convert, so I am. Uh, That's true. <laughs> <laughs> we'll, t- we'll talk about that in a little bit. Um, but he was proving to be a very unpopular Doctor. It was a very unpopular era. People were not liking the way that uh, Colin Baker was behaving as the Doctor. They weren't liking Perry as a companion. They weren't liking the violent content that Eric Sayward and Jonathan Nathan-Turner were infusing into all their scripts. Uh, they thought the scripts had taken a turn for the worse, and a lot of people just stopped watching. And so the BBC pulled the plug on Doctor Who and essentially canceled it. But uh, producer Na- Jonathan Nathan Turner, who we're going to talk about a lot. Um, managed to make it out to the fan communities really early on, as soon as he heard, mm-hmm. and just said, hey, the BBC's trying to do this, start your fan campaigns, let's not get it cancelled, and the fans jumped to the occasion, and they started saying, bring back Doctor Who, they released a terrible Doctor Who single uh, called <laughs> Doctor in Distress, which if you ever want to be like, <laughs> if you ever want to like, just say, I never want to like Doctor Who again, go watch Doctor in Distress, because it's, <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's pretty amazing. Um, Especially oh. if you watch the, if you watch it, it's like amazing because they got like Colin Baker, Nicola Bryant and and Anthony Ainley as the master and Nick Courtney to come in and just do a bunch of singing parts. It is horrible. It is so bad. Um, but eventually the BBC thought, okay, we'll bring back Doctor Who, but we're, we're, you guys are on probation. Uh, they brought it back. They were supposed to bring it back in January. They brought it back in like September. So it came out like 18 months after the last airing. So they pulled the plug in it for 18 months. So essentially the show is canceled. Now, what happened in the in the meantime is uh, the BBC said, okay, well, we're going – in Colin Baker's previous season, all the episodes had been 45 minutes long. And so there had been half of them. Uh, instead of the usual 26, there were 13. Well, the BBC said, okay, well, we're going to keep the episode count at th- – uh 13 which they eventually bumped up to 14 but we're going to cut your running time in half back to what it originally was at 25 minutes and this made everyone really upset and really sad because it looked like you know the BBC was losing confidence in it and it shrank the season down to 14 episodes which it never got anything bigger after that um the BBC also said tone down Colin Baker uh tone down the violent content make it more funny And Nathan Turner and Sayward, Eric Sayward, the script editor, uh, were like, oh God, it's like we're on trial. And one of them said, oh, hey, how about we put the doctor on trial (laughs) to which Colin Baker was like, are you sure that's a good idea? Um, and, uh, so they decided to create this thing called Trial of a Time Lord. It was Nathan Turner's idea to structure it kind of like a Christmas Carol. Um, so it would be three, four-part stories and one two-part story to wrap it up. And the three, the, fir- the four, the four-part stories. The first would be from the past. So the one we're talking about today is from the Doctor's past. The next one would be from the Doctor's present, uh, which is gonna, which we're gonna be talking about next week. And the one after that was a story from the Doctor's future. Um, And that's an interesting structure, especially because it allows the show to kind of do a classic story, because The Mysterious Planet is nothing but classic, and um, Mind Warp allowed them to do something that was ballsy and modern, and then the future one was able to act like a pilot for what the show would look like if it were to go on, and then it would wrap it up in two phenomenal episodes. Um so, there was that, and then uh, because they had already started to commission a bunch of scripts, like, they, were, they got ex-producer Graham Williams to do a Celestial Toymaker story, they got, um, Philip Martin to come back and bring back Sill. uh, why, I don't know, Ugh. um, <laughs> next week, that's all I'm saying, Ugh. uh, <laughs> don't worry, it's not that bad, um, They got they brought in Christopher Bidmead to work on the Hollows of Time, which they eventually released. Big Finish eventually released and was actually horrible. Um, And they commissioned Robert Holmes to do another script, but they basically threw all that out and started over with this trial structure. And they said, okay, well, for the first one, we're going to bring back Robert Holmes because he's such a stalwart and he can get the job done. He can get it done fast and he can do it good. So they brought in Robert Holmes, who had previously script edited the Fourth Doctor. For his first three seasons and was, is in my, for my money, the best Doctor Who writer who's ever lived. Um, it's certainly the most prolific. Um, I mean, I counted it up the other day and I realized that he wrote 10% of all Doctor Who episodes that have ever aired on television, which is pretty crazy. Um, that is insanity. Isn't it? It's nuts. Wow. <laughs> He's re- yeah, and that's not counting the one. I don't think that's counting the ones that he script edited. If you count the ones he script edited, it goes up to over 100 episodes. Uh, whoa (laughs) i know it's 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 pretty crazy um so they brought him in to do the mysterious planet and it got a lot of crap from bbc saying it was not it was too funny which holmes had previously encountered and doctor who has previously encountered where the bbc will say oh make it funny and they'll make they'll try and make it funny and then they'll be like no this is too funny which is so ridiculous uh (laughs) <laughs> they did that in um in Graham Williams stuff. They were like, "Hey, we know you wanted. We know we told you to make it funny, but could you make it less funny?" And so this pissed off Robert Holmes, who at this point was actually dying. Like he was on his deathbed when he um when he was writing the thirteenth episode of the story, um and had to go in and make some quick fixes to try and tone down the humor and make it slightly less violent, which is ridiculous. Explain things more. Try and justify Glitz and Dibber, which is ridiculous. And it's just like, it was not a good start to the season, which is, but like, it, you wouldn't think it because for my money, I mean, Scott, you and I were talking off mic where you watched one of the making of documentaries mm-hmm. and they said that um, it's not his strongest story and it's way not Robert Holmes' strongest story. But like, if you consider that this is one of his weaker stories, like that tells you how good he is because this is so strong. Yeah, like, it is. It, it has no right to be as strong as it is. Cause it's very complex without being uh, overly complicated as mm-hmm. the s- stories in the previous season kind of were like, if you watch attack of the Cybermen, please someone tell me what happened in that story. Cause I don't know. Um, <laughs>
0: <laughs> somebody's so, hand so
1: gets per- crushed, right? <laughs> oh my God. that happened! Uh, oh my God. On screen. And it's bloody. It's ridiculous. Um, but yeah, it's a it's a great story, and like I've seen it. This is like my third or fourth time watching it, and I mean, it's not something that I consider to be my favorite Doctor Who story. I don't even think it would land in my top twenty by any stretch of the imagination. But I still think this is one of Colin Baker's strongest stories, and he does a great job. And it's such a it's just a strong, strong outing for Doctor Who, um, and it's a great start to the trial. If you ask me, uh, the trial kind of gets worse as it goes along. Uh mostly Pip and Jane Baker's fault. Um but, but um but yeah there it is. So that's that's what happens with the mysterious planet. I promise it won't take as much time next time, uh, because it's a little more straightforward. But uh yeah. That's that's like so that's where Doctor Who is um at the moment. At the moment twenty
0: years ago. Right, yeah. <laughs> Don't question thirty, me. 30 years ago how dare, almost. How
1: dare you? no 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 not 30 years ago it was about 25 years ago 25 years ago yeah okay. it was like 1986 oh, okay yeah so there you go yeah. yeah
0: uh so yeah so the mysterious planet and uh uh i really like this and i really like colin baker thanks to the uh wonderful big finish audios <laughs> that he did because wow is he good Is he He's really good. Like, you know what annoys me about people who hate Colin Baker and think he's an awful doctor? Um, And I'm not going to lie. Like, I was one of those people. But I I wasn't paying attention to the fact that, like, he was performing what he was scripted. Yeah. And he was scripted garbage. Yeah. And, I mean, that's ultimately the problem. It wasn't Colin Baker's fault. He was given trash, and he did the best he could with it. But, Mm -hmm. like, hearing him spin the gold that he spins in the big
1: finish audios i'm just like oh wow this guy's good he's really good good. yeah like he he goes from like what seems like antipathy to empathy at the drop of a hat and he Uh even does that in this like you can you kind of get the hints that he is still that very alienating off-putting sort of fellow but then all of a sudden they'll twist it on you and he'll be you know very empathetic and very sympathetic and you'll kind of feel that he's, like, really attempting to make a real personal connection, and it's really powerful. Uh Uh-huh. Definitely. Just, he's he's so good. But, like, even if you go and watch the stuff, I mean, like, it's much easier after you've heard his big finish. Like, if you go watch Vengeance on Varos again, God forbid, um, you'll see that, like, he's actually insanely good given the material. Like, given the material, like, he is weaving that stuff into as good of gold as you can possibly get out of it. Much in the same way that Matt Smith is spinning the best he can get out of a Stephen Moffat script. Um, uh-huh. I mean, last week we talked a lot about Matt Smith and how good he is, like, I still stand by. It just—it's a testament to the doctor or the actor playing the doctor that they can make even the most unintelligible or ridiculous completely feasible. And Colin Baker's doing that. Like he throws up an umbrella at one point, while pe- and people are throwing rocks at him, and he makes it convincing. Like it's—it's yeah. it's absolutely ridiculous. <laughs> that should not work, but it does.
0: It's true. It's true. Um. Yeah. So that's that's that, and we're gonna start. Uh, we're gonna break down the story in just a sec. But before we do, I want to remind everybody that uh, we're brought to you by InStockTrades.com. And this month at InStockTrades.com, you can purchase our book of the month, American Vampire Volume One by Scott Snyder, Stephen King, and Raphael Albuquerque. This book is available for only fifteen forty nine, which is thirty thirty percent off. Might be 38% off. Um, the suggested retail price is twenty nine ninety nine, And remember, all orders over $50 get free shipping. Thanks to InStockTrades.com. I think Sorry it's 100% off. I don't I think, think it's, it's 100%. 100% off. I don't think that adds up. Uh, no, that's, I think, I your think math that's, is just
1: off. How, that's just how good a deal InStockTrades is giving you.
0: 100% <laughs> off. I don't think you should advertise that because then we get emails. Or they do, even worse. So <laughs> it's 38 percent (laughs) off uh yeah so anyway um mysterious planet and uh let's just go ahead and talk about the shot that blew the budget on this whole season (laughs) um there's a there's a model shot at the beginning of this that shot on 35 millimeter in uh it was it was shot in stop motion it took them like i think they said it took them a week like six days to shoot this opening shot. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it's motion stop, control motion, camera. Yeah. Motion control, motion yeah. control, stop motion, uh, motion control shot on this gorgeous model, um, of a space station and the TARDIS getting, uh, sucked into it. And then the space station is basically a, uh, like a floating courthouse for the time Lords. Um, mm-hmm. This thing looks so out of place and gorgeous, like, just absolutely gorgeous. And you're just like, oh, man, this is going to be great. And then you're back on a BBC set and you're just like, oh,
1: <laughs> what happened? Yeah. No, it's, it's, it's like the most expensive shot in all of Classic Who. The and let me, just, like- let me just say, let me just, let, me just,
0: let me just explain this to people who are just like, oh, okay, so it looks really good for 1986. No, it looks really good, period.
1: This no, looks would, better it, than
0: most, CGI, almost all CGI like that you see now. This mm-hmm. looks better than
1: that. Agreed. It is amazing. It's breathtaking. Shot. Yeah, it's breathtaking. Like you, the, you first see it and you're just like, "Oh, that's a really sweet space station." And then you just zoom in and you literally just the camera just pans around the station, and it's, it's insane. like insane. It, it looks better than, like, the opening credits to Deep Space Nine, and I know that's not saying a lot because the opening credits to Deep Space Nine are really boring, but, like, they're still pretty gorgeous because they really get across that space station. This puts every – like, just about Dude, every Dude, I'm other not going to lie. This, this puts I, – I don't think there's a shot this gorgeous in all of Star
0: Wars. <laughs> I'm not lying. Like, Honestly.
1: No, that I think, I think I could agree with you on that. Like, I'm like, trying to I, think of one that beats it, and I can't. Well, nothing out of the prequels, that's for sure. Well, definitely not out of the prequels. <laughs> but I mean, like, out of the old stuff, like, I can't, I literally can't think of anything. Mm-hmm. It's like, it, it takes a lot from the Death Star Trench run, but it even, it kind of grips you a little bit more because of the way that the camera sweeps. It's a very, uh-huh. very interesting shot. It's actually worth watching this episode just for the shot. I'm not going to lie to you. It's stunning. It's really good. It cost them 8,000 pounds. (laughs) It cost them the production office for Doctor Who, which, like, I don't know what the budget on Doctor... On Classic Who, like, an episode of Classic Who was, but that's a lot. (laughs) Yeah. That's that's a lot for Classic Who. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. It's it's pretty nuts. It's Um, pretty nuts. But, yeah,
0: so that was gorgeous. And then the episode starts, and... Um, I'm, you know, like the, the doctor just kind of is just like, oh, I'm somewhere. Let me wander around. Cause you know, he does that. And, uh, he finds himself in a dark, <laughs> in a dark room, which can I just say not the most professional way to start a trial, <laughs> <laughs> a dark foreboding <laughs> room. <laughs> with this guy, with your with your prosecutor lurking in the shadows. Honestly, I wish all trials started that way, with criminals just absentmindedly r- wandering into the <laughs> into the room. <laughs> <That's>,
1: <laughs> no, it's it's it's. I it's mean, really, a like point. if you
0: like if you think about it, like if you think about it like that, this is a trial, and that's how it begins. It's. Them tricking the doctor into this dark room and
1: then turning the lights on and being like, surprise, you're on trial. <laughs> and it's not even like a good reality show or nothing. It's just like, oh, no. wait, hang on. <laughs> yeah. So uh, we meet the Vallyard, which is like uh, he's,
0: he's the prosecuting attorney, basically. Yes. Um, and he hates the doctor for some
1: reason. Although there's a theory about the Vallyard, isn't there? No, no, no. Don't, don't say anything about it. Okay. Sorry. Don't say anything about it. It's okay. No, no, because we're going to find out who the Valiard is. The Valiard becomes very important in episode 13 and 14, so...
0: Oh, okay. Um, We'll well, save that reveal for later. The Valiard, he hates the Doctor, like, hates him, and we don't really know why. We just think that he's kind of uptight about Time Lord rules. Um, And the Doctor constantly breaking them. And uh, the Doctor is super cocky and calls him names, like, really childish names, which I'm not... I'm not a huge fan of you like this. I'm I don't, but I
1: didn't like it so much this time. Honestly, I okay, mean, I thought it was so, a little, little all right, all right. I'm glad that at least you saw my angle this time. No, I see. I see. I definitely see the angle, but I mean, we'll talk about the trial stuff more. But I see the angle, but he definitely does call the. The Valliard. It its much worse later. Like this, comparatively, this is really good trial stuff. <laughs> <laughs> oh, good—that's
0: something to look forward to. Um, oh, yeah. So anyway, so there's there's a judge. Uh, I forget what her name is. Or She's
1: she- just called the Inquisitor. Oh, the Inquisitor. Okay, that's right. Yes.
0: Um. So there's a judge, and there's the Valliard, which is the prosecutor, and they they offer the doctor and attorney of course the doctor is going to represent himself um because why Whitney and uh, I will say I will say I do like the way that the courtroom is set up where Mm -hmm. the uh defendant and prosecution are facing each other so it's more confrontational I like that yeah rather than rather than it being like really clinical in real courtrooms where they're not looking at each other and they're Mm -hmm. both like saying their own thing and even though they are confronting each other, they're not, you know, like it's, it's weird. And like, this is, this
1: is better. I like this. I mean, yes, it's, good. it's, it's a good setup. It, it's hard to shoot because it's a very closed set. Um, and if you look at it, this, the trials never shot very well, but it's, it's, it's interesting to see, like, it's a good layout for what they're trying to accomplish.
0: Yeah. It's really good. Yeah. Um, so they basically, he's just like, you know, like, what am I doing here? And they're like, oh, well, we're going to show you some videos. And
1: so then, (laughs) (laughs) well, he's, he's being, there's an inquiry into whether or not he's, um, transgressed the first law of time, which is don't interfere um and there's a really cool reference where they're like this isn't the first time the doctor's been on trial they're of course referring to uh the war games but also obliquely to when the doctor was briefly on trial in the deadly assassin so like this isn't the first time and that's probably why like because i off mike you were talking about how the doctor wasn't taking it seriously that's why he's not taking it seriously because he's just like this is a farce this is a joke
0: yeah well see but that's that's the thing it's like like, I understand that, I guess, but, you know, like the war game, the try and the war games, that was maybe 10 minutes. I would say five, five, somewhere between five uh, and 10 five, minutes. I, I, yeah. Between five and 10 minutes. Yeah. Um, and that was like, had me on the edge of my seat, you know, like that was, mm-hmm. that's, that's an awesome episode. This isn't that good. No, but very few things are that good. Yeah, but it's just, it's like, but you know, like, uh, Troughton's giving it gravitas and, and, and Colin Baker is just like, eh, which I know he's doing it because like, that's the way they
1: wanted him to play it. But I don't, I don't think it was the right choice on, well, it will change later. The doctor will get humbled and he will start to take it more seriously. He just doesn't take it seriously now. Okay. Well, that's Um, good. That's something to look forward to then. He's going to get humbled next week. You watch.
0: Okay. Sweet deal. It's going to happen. Sweet deal. Um, so, so yeah. So basically they're just like the value is like, I'm going to show you one of your old adventures and, uh, prove Without a doubt that you are uh, a jerk who breaks all the rules. Um, so, so, you know, the doctor just leans back and starts watching the home movies. Um, we also – we get the thing with, with uh, uh, like, him not knowing what happened to Perry, which yes. I'm assuming that's going to come back
1: next week. Next yes. week, okay. Yes. Um,
0: yeah. So he has no, very he, important. He, yes. he forgot about Perry and was like, wait a minute, where is she? And
1: and they're like, don't you know, blah, blah, blah. You have yes. memory loss,
0: yada, yada. Um, it's all,
1: that's, that's, that's a key point. What happened to Perry is a key point that will be explored next week. Sweet deal. Okay. Yeah.
0: Um, so then we get this basically, what is a lost story? Something that happened between the end of last season and the trial, um, which is the mysterious planet, the episode within the episode. Um, And,
1: uh, why don't don't you talk about that, Matt? Uh, okay. Well, the story of the mysterious planet is, uh, the Doctor and Perry investigating Ravelox, uh, which is a very, is a planet that is very similar to Earth, but has been devastated by a fireball, uh, from a couple centuries back. And, um... The doctor and Perry are very interested in the, the doctor is very interested in this place, and Perry finds it very familiar and very strange. Um, so they start to explore this planet. Meanwhile, um, while this is going on, uh, we meet we meet who are my two favorite characters in this whole story: uh, Sabalom Glitz and a guy named Dipper. Um, and Sabalom Glitz and Dipper are two characters who are very much out of the wheelhouse of Robert Holmes. They're like this great double act who play off of each other, who are very well-spoken but are also ruffians and very low-life scum people and i mean again not only is the model shot worth watching um like it's not only that this story is worth watching just for the model shot but like as far as i'm concerned if this story had just been and dipper talking i would be okay with that because every time they talk it is funny it is Interesting, it's engaging. It gets across a lot of information that is important for later. Um, and it's just it, they're just so good. Um, Basically, if you do? took if you took the honeymooners and
0: <laughs> made them mercenaries <laughs> and British, that's Glitz and Dipper.
1: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and like they're they're oh, they're so silly and so and like Glitz is very interested in competition and eliminating the competition and Dipper's kind of a dumb person who uh they, who, they have uh, awesome sideburns they have great sideburns though, they like, have the like ranges. ahead of their time sideburns No, like, what they look like they look like norman osborne sideburns
0: yeah kind of well i was just i was gonna say like like five years from from now like five years from that episode uh vanilla ice has those sideburns
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah no that's accurate that's accurate that's accurate <laughs> they were ahead of their time they are. They really are. And so they're wondering if they should kill the Doctor or, and, and Perry because they're competition and they're here for some reason, but we don't know what. Um, and so the Doctor and Perry are unaware of this and they go underground down this escalator type thing and it looks familiar and it has signs that look like the London Underground and Perry starts to realize that she thinks that this is Earth. Um, and this is also the point where the Doctor cuts into the trial sequence and mentions where's Perry... Um, which is which is very interesting because it's very mysterious and something that they're going to play with in the next in next week. Um, also, but, uh, can I can I talk about the fact that like and I know this
0: technically comes later, but I mentioned it, I texted it to you at this point. Uh, Perry looks so much like Sarah Jane, it's ridiculous. And then they even have the joke in like episode three where <laughs> Colin, where the doctor
1: calls her Sarah Jane. She's like, I'm not. My name's not Sarah. <laughs> I was like, yeah, well oh, they weird. they did they did a good job of growing her up, um, because Perry previously was very young and very not brash but very whiny. But I think they did a really they'd made a real effort to grow her up a little bit, which is very welcome. Um and very, very interesting. And but, but you're right, she does look a little bit like Sarah Jane in this in terms of like hairstyle and clothing.
0: Mm-hmm. Uh she's
1: a little too eighties, but other than that, like it's it you, you could almost drop Sarah into this story and be just the same. Um so while this is going on, the doctor finds an underground passage that will lead him under this uh, station and is like, "Perry, you want to go with me?" And Perry is like, "Not really." So Perry stays behind and the doctor goes down into the um into the underground. And while this is going on, Perry and the doctor are captured by the sa- at the same time by different people because it's got to happen. Um mm. And Perry is kidnapped by the people who live on the surface, and the Doctor is captured by the people who live below. Uh, what we don't know is that Glitz and Dipper have also been captured, and they're captured by Queen Katrika, who is the short, dumpy, red-headed Molly Weasley, Molly Weasley Queen of, um, the, uh, the, pe- the people of the Free, I guess, her her she calls them, or the tribe of the Free, or something ridiculous like that. Um, so, we continue with the Doctor's story. The Doctor meets this guy named Balazar, who's the, uh, the reader of the sacred texts. And I only mention this because it's like really funny to me, but he's like that. We have three books. One is *Moby Dick by Herman Melville, the water babies by Charles Kingsley and the most mysterious UK habitats of the Canadian goose by HM stationary office, which I just, it makes me laugh so many times when he talks about HM stationary office. It's just, Oh my God. It's so funny. Um, Anyway, so, randomly, the people downstairs decide that the doctor's going to be stoned, and the doctor blocks it with his umbrella, which is pretty pimp. Um, and, uh, he acts all smug, and then we cut back to the trial, and the valyard says that we're gonna turn this into a trial because the doctor's interfering uh... With his umbrella. Not... <laughs> 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 and it's no longer an inquiry. Yeah, so the umbrella is... I think I think the Valyard the- just... I think the Ballyard is just, like...
0: Just like, look, okay, I was really wanting you to get stoned to death just then. You blocked it with the umbrella, and I'm pissed. (laughs) (laughs) You interfered with your own death. How
1: dare you stop them from killing you? (laughs) So I'm going to kill you. (laughs) Because he wants to put the doctor on joy over his life. Yeah, exactly. So... That's happening now, I guess. It's kind of... I wasn't crazy about that cliffhanger because
0: it was, like... It was a little (laughs) overly dramatic.
1: Yeah. Yeah. um, Yeah. No, it is is overly dramatic, especially because it's called Trial of a Time Lord and the revelation at the end is that he's on trial. I mean, that's okay i guess but it's not as strong and it's also not as strong because the aesthetic at this point in time in terms of like directing styles on television is whenever you do an episode end you zoom in on someone's face really close so you get a lot of zooming in on colin baker's face um in yeah. the stories, which is not i mean the only time it really works is at the end of episode eight if you ask me um but it just it just does not work it's a little weak but whatever um Anyways, we come back to part two. The doctor's stunned. Uh, he then and there's this giant robot who lives in the underground city. This robot um, is awesome. He's so cool. He's like eight feet tall, and he looks. He has no head. He has like a little swingy thing. It's awesome. It's, it's the freaking.
0: It's the coolest robot design I've seen in a long time.
1: Yeah, it's, it's like so my favorite sweet. thing. It's, so it's my sweet. favorite thing. Yeah, so so the, the robot who the Underdwellers call the Immortal wants to see the Doctor. So the Doctor, who has only been stunned because he was protected by his umbrella, is brought before the Immortal, who lives in a castle underground. So there's like the Immortal lives in the Immortal's castle, I suppose. Meanwhile, up in the surface, Perry is brought before uh, Molly Weasley, Queen Patrice. Queen Katrika, uh, who says, There's not enough women, you will be given many husbands and impregnated because we need to continue the species. Perry's like, What? And she's placed with uh Glitz and Dipper, who meet Perry for the first time and they're like, Oh, we were trying to kill you and she's like, What do you mean? And he goes and they're like, I mean, what? She says, "Oh, the doctor's here. He's a Time Lord." And Glitz and Dipper make a very interesting reference to the Time Lords saying, "Oh, he must be here because of the Time Lords." Um how they know about the Time Lords or what they're going to do with that, we don't quite know yet. Um meanwhile, the doctor's brought before the immortal robot whose name is Drathro, which is <laughs> <like> an <laughs> awesome name for a robot. And the robot has two assistants whose name are Tandral and Hunker. Or Humker, Who I also love that. and wish there was more of. Oh, yeah. The classic, classic Robert Holmes double act. Just, oh, yeah. They play off each other so well. Uh, again, Robert Holmes in this, the dialogue is delicious. Uh-huh. It is out of this world phenomenal across the board with everyone saying all the things. It's just it's <laughs> so good. Everyone's saying all the things They
0: are saying all of the things Uh, Um, That is the definition of dialogue That's good, I'm glad you cleared
1: that up for everyone (laughs) What can I say? I am talented (laughs) Um So, the doc- Drathro brought in the Doctor to fix the dra- uh, his blacklight system, which is increasingly more and more unstable. And the Doctor's like, "Well, I can't fix that. There's something on the surface that's going to that's draining the the blacklight system, and it's not really working." Um, so Drathrow, uh so Drathro's like, "No, no, no! You have to fix it from here." And meanwhile, what we don't know is that Glitz and Dipper want to destroy uh, Drathro's black light converter which converts UV rays into black light it's a really shady science I'm not gonna lie to you uh, <laughs> I don't know how you convert black light to energy uh, I just I don't know how that happens. I
0: don't understand why the doctor's just not like hey <laughs> listen Trathro, have you ever heard of cosmic bowling <laughs>
1: all the black light you want. I can just imagine Colin bike Sanders saying that too. It sounds really good in my head. Uh- <laughs> Cuz let me tell you. You were in for
0: a treat. And 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 you if you like bowling. Leonard Skinnerd, it's even better. <laughs> Oh. oh,
1: I think we just fixed the story. I think um, so. I
0: think <laughs> dude, I'm picturing Drathro <laughs> cosmic bowling, and I am in heaven right now. that's
1: <laughs> especially given the way he walks, which is very <laughs> weird and lumbering. Yes, <laughs> I see him bowling with
0: clips and dipper. <laughs> And maybe they you trip them up slightly. And they're all wearing matching bowling shirts. Ankleless <laughs> <laughs> doesn't like competition. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
1: Oh my god, we've gone off the rails again. <laughs> oh my god.
0: <laughs> I've missed Classic Who.
1: <laughs> I know, me too, man, me too. <sighs> okay, uh. where was I? Um, so the Doctor <laughs> wants to go up to the surface to check out this black light absorption system converter thing. Um, Drathro's like, I'm not going to let you, and the Doctor <laughs> like just manages to trick Drathro and the twins to just put their hands on these controls and then electrocute them to get away in time, which involves Colin Baker running through corridors to try and escape, and D'Rothro is very upset so he sends the service robot after the doctor. Meanwhile, <laughs> meanwhile, Glitz, Dipper, and Perry manage to get free. Uh, Glitz gives Dipper a grenade and then sets him to destroy the black light converter, which Dipper does, and Perry and Glitz run for the underground to try and take care of whatever it is that Glitz wants to take care of. Perry, of course, wants to get back to the doctor. Meanwhile, there's this guy named Merdine who is this, uh, I don't know, he's like the security guard sort of guy. And he tells Balazar that he wants Balazar to go to the surface. He's overheard by this random guard. I forget what the guard's name is, Uh, but that guard comes into play later. Um, And the doctor meets up with Merdine and Balazar and agrees to take Balazar back up to the surface. Um, And just as the doctor and Balazar get out to the open, they uh, meet up with Perry and Glitz who arrive at the tunnel and they're like, oh my god, we're being chased, and Dipper shows up, and he's like, we're being chased, and they all run into the, uh, back underground, and I don't know, man, it leads to this really phenomenal cliffhanger, um, I mean, I just, I, every time I watch it, I'm just completely enraptured, because by the time that they arrive back in the underground, like, uh, subway station, I guess it is, um, they come across Drothro's service robot, and, then they turn around and try and get out and they're uh, being confronted by the tribe of the free who are all pointing guns at them and like every time I watch it I'm just like this is part three like it's got such a good sense of pace and energy and it's just like the story at this point is just going you know what I mean mm-hmm. it's I, just
0: here, here's my problem well that's, that's the end of part two and I just yeah. he, okay here's my problem with this cliffhanger it's perfect perfect until they ruin it by having the doctor say, I really think this could be the end. <laughs> okay, here here's the problem with that line. It's pointless because the audience knows it's not because he's currently on trial in the future. <laughs> no, you're right.
1: You're absolutely right. It's a
0: stupid line that is just like, hey, kids, here's a cliffhanger, and I hate that. Yeah. Like. Just yeah. end it with them being surrounded and that's it. Cut it there and it would have been mm-hmm. perfect. Adding that extra line makes it kind
1: of lame. Yeah. No, it kills It kills the moment. I yeah. agree. I'll agree. Um, but it's – I don't know. Every time I watch it though, I'm just like enraptured. It just has such a good pace and energy. And Robert Holmes, man, mm-hmm. that guy knows how to do a good cliffhanger. Mm-hmm. Like it's just – I mean, we <laughs> Caves, we know this. Um, <laughs> the best <laughs> cliffhanger. Oh, the best. Um, So we come back to part three. There's this guy named Broken Tooth who's a member of the Tribe of the Free. And he has one of Glitz's guns and he manages to shoot the robot and disable it. Um, And uh, so the robot's disabled and uh, the Doctor, and they, they're they all like, hey, now you can come back with us, back to the surface, and the Doctor's like, ugh. So we have a lot more running around to do with the Doctor and Glitz Dipper and Perry. So they all run back to the surface, and the Doctor realizes that the blacklight system is down, meaning that um, there's going to be a cataclysmic, cataclysmic explosion. I'm going to be honest, I do not understand why this works. Uh. <laughs> I mean, I've watched every time, I'm just like, I don't try to pretend to understand. Like, as soon as they say black light. System, I'm just like, I don't care, um, because I don't swing that way, I guess. Um, I don't swing toward blacklight. Um, you're not wrong. Yeah, yeah. So as soon as they say that, I'm not interested. But basically, because Dipper took out the blacklight absorption thing, Drathro is starting to overload and drain his power circuits, and there's going to be a big cataclysmic explosion or something. Um, so the doctor is brought before Queen Katrika, who's like, who's like, well, you destroyed our totem, and the doctor's like, I didn't. Glitz and Dipper did that, um, and they're like, and 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 he just goes, he's just like, he's just like, well, let me free, cause I need to get free, and, and Queen Katrika's like, no, and then they put him in a in a nice little hut, which is a cell, I guess. And while they're in the cell, Glitz and Dipper confirmed that uh, Ravalox is in fact Earth, that they're they're that they are on Earth, but why is Earth? so off course. Why has it been burned? Why is it... Why is all these things... And, like, this is something... I think it's interesting because that answer is not found in this episode. <laughs> Nor is it found in this story. You actually have to wait till, like, episode 13 to find out why. <laughs> which I think is brilliant. I don't know if you noticed that they hadn't really resolved that. Um, oh, I noticed. Okay. Just making sure. Um, so, uh... So, they find out this is Earth. The Doctor's captured by Drathro's service robot, which is... <laughs> Which leads to Colin Baker getting strung up by, like, these metal tentacles and just, like, being strapped with the robot, which I think is funny every time because it just looks funny. Um, yeah, at that point, I, my eyes were wide and I was shaking my head. Like,
0: I just, like, I didn't know what was happening.
1: It's like, yeah. Well, the, the service robot has to give, a. Uh, has to give uh has to get the doctor back um with its metal tentacles. Yeah, exactly, with the random metal tentacles that don't
0: um, look unlike giant pipe cleaners.
1: No, uh, no, they look nothing like giant pipe cleaners. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so could and her people find out that well, who they think is the immortal, but is really the immortal service robot is uh, tracking, have the doctor and they are really angry. So they want to go take on the doctor. So they all grab guns and they take down this service robot. They all shoot it um, and manage to take it out. And they're like, Oh, Hey, the immortal's dead. So they all race for the castle and Glitz and Dipper now are free because of the service robot. And they're like, Oh, Hey, let's go get big guns and go back underground and take, ca- take care of whatever we want to do. And then Perry wakes up the doctor, who was let go by the service robot, and um the doctor's like, "Oh crap, we have to go after them because Drathros gonna blow up, and it's all gonna be really bad and Drathro Drathro is somehow able to see all of these things and is like, "They're coming, we will be ready and the twins are like, and the twins are like, "Oh, we should probably get out of here because we should um and then uh uh, we cut back to this great scene. I would YouTube this, but it got taken down because YouTube's stupid. Of Glitz and Dipper talking, just as an example of Glitz and Dipper talking. But it's 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 good because Glitz tells Dipper that they shouldn't be talking about something. What it is, we don't know because the High Council has forbidden it to be on the record. And the Valiard, uh the Doctor and the Inquisitor call out the valyard to say, "Why did this get censored?" and they're just like, it's not in the Valley. Where it says the High Council has determined this is not pertinent information, which is cool because it lays in like a really interesting sort of uh, dynamic. You know, mm-hmm. it, it's a good mystery that they kind of are going to be playing over the next 14 episodes. Um, and then we get the Doctor and Perry running into the underground. They're trying to catch up with everyone before the Immortal, you know, just mass exterminates everybody. And then we get this cliffhanger in which Murdine uh, steps, out, steps out from behind the doctor and says, hey, doctor, don't go any farther. And the doctor's like, what's up? And Meridian pulls out a crossbow and shoots it. And I love this cliffhanger because, again, there is so much going on in this story. <laughs> There's mm-hmm. all these people converging all at once. And it is just like, it is just it's so, it's so firing on all cylinders. And when I saw this cliffhanger for the first time, I was like, oh, damn, how are they getting out of this one? It's really good. Yeah.
0: But then they pull yeah. the old, he's not shooting you, he's shooting the guy right behind you trick. <laughs> Which is fine. That's kind of what I expected when I saw that. I was like, I remember this.
1: <laughs> I've just seen this before everywhere. I saw it in the mind of evil. Um, yeah, Yeah. exactly. <laughs> Doesn't well, it make it any up. less awesome, because it was awesome no. than that. Yeah. No, no, exactly. I mean, it's a good misdirect i mean if you're going to do it in one way you might as well do it that way. i mean it, the same thing happened in deadly assassin where at the end of episode one you think that the doctors just killed the time lord president when he kind of hasn't um anyways turns out that Merdine shot the other guard who thought that he was betraying the immortals orders but Merdine, it turns out is acting on his own orders and trying to rebuild human civilization um and the doctor's like oh that's great let's go catch up with the immortal Meanwhile, Katrika and her people arrive at the Immortals' castle, and then (laughs) Katrika and her people just walk into the Immortals' place. They come face-to-face with the Immortal, and the Immortal just murders her for no reason. Just (laughs) kills her. Like, just, she's gone. And while this is going on, the twins run off and warn the Doctor that the Immortal's losing power and the whole world's gonna explode or whatever. Um... And then uh so the doctor goes back to the Immortals Castle, he starts to break in, the doctor offers to help Drothro repair the black light system, and then there's this really great conversation between the doctor and Drothro about robot like who are stro- who are superior as a race, robots or organics, which is a it's a fascinating conversation. I mean it's just like who's better, the creator or the created, even though the created might be superior. It's just it's just a good sort of thing. Um Absolutely. Yeah, there's also a really cool another moment about Glitz and Dipper, which I'll mention here, but we won't touch back on until episode thirteen, uh, where Glitz and Dipper talk about something. But there's more censorship, and the line that Glitz says because the the, the Inquisitor and the Doctor managed to trick the Val- to convince the Valyard to uncensor it slightly. Say that certain people called the Sleepers have found their way into quote the biggest net of information in the universe. What is that? I don't know. We'll find out. Episode thirteen, um, because <laughs> it's a big Time Lord conspiracy going on. Oops. Um, <laughs> while well, this is going on, and the Doctor's arguing with everyone, uh, Glitz and Dipper catch up with Perry Balsazar and Mordine who are trying to break into the castle through a food distribution shaft. Why? Drathro needs food I don't know. Uh I don't understand whatever. Uh, <laughs> but but Drathro spots them. There's a cool laser sequence but uh, uh Glitz and Dipper manage to break into um uh The castle and everyone breaks in and gets out okay. And Drathro is just like, I'm just ready to let the whole world burn, which is interesting. He's like, I'm ready to let the whole world burn because if I can't run on blacklight, then nothing should be able to run because if I'm not alive, then what's the point? What do I care? Which is a fascinating sort of moral dilemma. Um just blowing through this really quick Glatz, glitz tricks drathro by saying that their ship has black light and if they and if drathro goes to the ship he can be powered forever and drathro's like okay i'm just gonna grab all the secrets
0: it
1: is my favorite shot in this whole goddamn story it so is like, adorable i was like that's
0: <sighs> the cutest thing i've ever seen <laughs> Just giant, lurking, like, lurching robot with, like, a little suitcase. It's like, and it's it's basically like, hey, (laughs) we've got Black lights back on
1: our ship. Do you want to sleep over? He's like, okay, let me go get my stuff. He literally turns into, like, a screaming child. It is phenomenal. It is so cute and adorable. Oh, my God. That is what I want out of Doctor Who, robots acting like cute little children. Like, that's (laughs) all I want. That's all I want. Is that so much to ask for, Stephen Moffat? Anyways, (laughs) Anyways, <laughs> no, that's that's seriously what Stephen moff has been missing: robots that act like children. Um, so the Doctor, Perry, and Merdian are left alone in Draathro's robo- uh, robotics lab, and the Doctor manages to shut down the black light converter. There's a big explosion, which is pretty cool, and then Drathro shuts down because he's no longer got any sort of black light. And Glitz and Dipper don't get what's in the little suitcase, which is unfortunate because oh my god, how cute was that suitcase? Um. And we get some nice denouement where, um, uh, the doctor and everyone's like, okay, you good, you good, you good. And then, <laughs> sorry, Scott, just, I am what the name of the episode is going to be called. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, and, uh, so then we're left on some denouement where the doctor's like, well, we don't know what happened with earth and we don't know why earth is, you know, two light years off course and what happened to it with the big fireball and why it got moved and blah, 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 blah. Um. And that's really where we end it. But we also end on, a, um, on another moment where, and this is my big problem with the trial. Um, at the end of the trial, the doctor's like, well, I guess I won that one. I mean, look, I just saved the day. Can't argue with that. And the, do- the Valyard's like, well, you killed people. And the doctor's like, well, I mean, I saved people. I saved the world. How, how hard is that? I mean, screw you, and then the, the But the Valyard says that the worst is yet to come. Uh, we'll talk more about that. Especially later on. But, I mean, it's like, if the Valiard is going to pick, you know, certain elements to show of the Doctor's life, why didn't he just go for the, like, you know, for the, you know, go for the gut, man. Go for the big strong where the Doctor manages to lose everything or something. Yeah, he's
0: he's not the crazy best
1: prosecuting attorney. (laughs) He's really not. He will be next week. He will be next week. But, you know not the best of things. Yeah. Well, we'll discuss a lot about the Valiard and his prosecution topics at the end and see if they worked or not. I have my own various opinions on that. But that's where we're left and that's the mysterious planet and I loved it. It's good stuff. It's good it's a ton of fun. It's I I I don't you're right. I don't think it's the best story, but goddamn do I have so much fun when I'm watching it. Yeah. It there's there's
0: not there's not many stories
1: with a giant robot and a little suitcase. <laughs> there are not. There are really not. And Glitz and Dipper. Like, again, Zablon Glitz. I love Zablon Glitz. Yeah. He is so good. Glitz and Dipper are so good.
0: Like, I love it when, like, Dipper and all of his ignorance gets the best of Glitz.
1: Those are my favorite scenes. And Glitz <laughs> gets frustrated. <laughs> He's like I'm the smart one in the operation and Glitz isn't that smart to begin with so it's even cuter. Yeah. It's it's just great. And it's great to see the doctor and Perry playing so well together. It's great to see Colin Baker doing, you know, not even his best work but just doing a great job. It's just good. It's just really strong and a good start to this to the trial story. Absolutely. Um, so, there it is. Yeah. First first trial story down. I recommend Three it. 3 to go. Yeah, I'm looking, no, definitely, I'm definitely
0: was, looking forward to next week, though. Oh, next
1: week is... Well, here's the thing about next week. <laughs> next week, I hated the first time I watched it. I was just like, ugh, why are we doing this? But now I love the second part. I think it's genius. It's hmm. absolutely genius. That said, it is going... like It pisses a lot of people off. I know that when Cassandra watched it the first time, she's like, I'm legitimately pissed about this. And I'm like, kind of should be. They didn't write it so that you wouldn't be pissed. They wrote it so that you would be. So... If you end up pissed at the end of the episode, you know that that's what they were going for. Okay,
0: well, fair, fair enough, fair enough. Oh,
1: and as warning, there is sill, but Ugh. it's okay. I know, I know. Sill is horrible in it, but the rest of the stuff makes up for it. Especially King Ecarnos, played by Brian Blessed. That guy is phenomenal. <laughs> You'll see. He is. Right. If you just take him as a joke from the beginning, you're going to love him. All you're right. going to love him.
0: All right. Yeah. Well, uh, before we move on, want to remind you that today's episode is also brought to you by DCBService.com. And DCBS is the site that lets you order all your monthly comic book statues, action figures, anything you can get from your local comic book shop, you can get from DCBService.com. And you place your orders three months in advance with monthly discount specials up to 75% off and regular discounts of 40% off. Plus, when you pre-order your collected editions, you get 50% off those. Ship as often as you like with orders as large or small as you like and only pay five ninety-five in flat rate shipping. So, thanks to Uh So, next week is uh, Trial of a Time Lord uh, Part 2, and it is called Mind Warp. Yes. Mind Warp. Mind Warp. Mind Warp. Um. Yeah. So, uh, let's see. Don't, I guess, um, I don't, right around now, there should be an audio blog on the site, uh, our review of Breaking Bad, season four. So, if you watch Breaking Bad, you should listen to that. And if you don't, then you should watch Breaking
1: Bad. (laughs) Arguably the best show on television. Like, if it weren't for the comedies right now, I th- it's easily the best drama that's on television, oh, that's for sure. Oh, easily the best drama on television, without a doubt. <laughs> I think we, it's fair to say we both really loved season four. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay. Um, so,
0: yeah, we're going to be talking about that. So if you watch Breaking Bad, uh, definitely tune in. Um, and then, uh, Movie Night a Geek Show this month is our, uh... Uh, October, like Halloween horror month. And uh, this week we did, uh, this past week we did uh, John Carpenter's The Thing. Uh, Next week, or this week rather, we're doing uh, Near Dark uh, from director Catherine Bigelow. And then uh, next week we're doing Night of the Creeps. And our listener pick this month is uh, Poltergeist. So uh, definitely check that out. Uh,
1: Matt, where can people find you on the internet? Well, you can find me on Twitter, Twitter com- pla- twitter.com slash gungadin. You can also find me at my alternate Twitter account, twitter.com slash commentary, where we do Classic Trek, which hopefully won't be as boring as this week. Oh my god, I hated this week's story so much. I don't know. Oh. I had fun. I don't... I, it was not that good, man. I was so bored at times.
0: Yeah, but it had such good highs. There was, there
1: was Christmas party sexual escapades. Including including the line, my crew is sworn to secrecy, which is still I'm going to be using that for the rest of my time with Kirk. Ah, uh, just so good. There were but there were some the, there
0: was, there were some pretty glorious highs. Like there was there was the hobo, there, were, there was the crazy. There angry were great hobo.
1: highs. There were great highs, but oh man, the lows, the lows were, really, were really boring. Yeah, that's true. They killed me, dude. They killed me. Uh, so next week is the Corbinite maneuver. If you're interested, on Sundays, usually around six or seven Pacific nine. Uh, Or 10 Eastern. I don't know. depends on when we get done with other things we're doing. Um, You can also find me at Classical Gallifrey, which is my Classic Who blog. Uh, This week I'm discussing The Underwater Menace. God have mercy on my soul. I'm Um, sorry. Oh my god, we're talking about it in a couple months. And that story is going to be fun to just tear apart craziest two minutes I've ever seen in a Doctor Who story. Most bizarre abstract two minutes. If you've seen it, you know what I'm talking about. Is this uh, is this uh, Tom Baker Leela? No, it's Trout and Ben Polly Jamie. Ooh. Yeah, but it's horrible. Interesting. It's horrible. It is so bad, dude. It is seriously one of the worst stories that's ever been made. Huh. And, like, you know it's bad when everyone's like, yeah, The Underwater Menace isn't good. Wow. <laughs> Yeah, it's pretty universally loathed, and it's really not defendable. So that, anyways, Scott.
0: Uh, you can find me on Twitter, twitter.com slash Alternate alternative Twitter account where we do the whole Star Trek thing. Uh, that is uh, Scott Commentary. And, uh, and then, of course, geekshowentertainment.com, and uh, you can email the show at tdc at geekshow.us. That's TDC, as in the Doctor's Companion. See what we did there? All right, guys, we'll uh, we'll we'll talk to you guys next week with uh, with the second part of Trial of the Time Board. See you then. Bye. <laughs>
1: Bye, guys.